Networking drummer. Now kick it. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, serving up perspectives, experiences, and stories from ground-level working pros. Advice, tips, and secrets on how to build a career in the music business. Hello, everyone. This is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast, Working Drummer. Today, my conversation is with drummers, creatives, and entrepreneurs Mike McKee and Danny Young, both accomplished drummers. Mike is the drummer for the band Delta Ray. And Danny juggles a variety of gigs that currently includes Lucy Silvis and the Grammy winner, Dan Tominski. In 2018, the two officially joined forces to create Bald Man Percussion. They are continually developing new and unique instruments to help take the drum and percussion world to a new sonic space. Their first release, The Junk Hat, is now making its way across the world, and they are currently in the test stages of their next product. The Junk Hat is described as a chain-dropping, 808-sounding analog machine that is operated much like a hi-hat. The Junk Hat allows you to achieve new sounds in rock, pop, country, hip-hop, Americana, and more. If you want to support what we do here, along the right side of the homepage on the Working Drummer website, you can find buttons for PayPal and Patreon, and any donation in any amount is greatly appreciated. You can follow us on social media, and if you want to be featured on Instagram, post pictures and videos of your gigs using the hashtag WorkingDrummer. We love seeing what you are all up to. Finally, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube now as well. If YouTube is your choice for streaming audio, every couple weeks we will be putting out a group of 10 episodes for you to visit for the first time or for revisiting the Working Drummer Podcast archives. Please subscribe to this YouTube channel, and leaving a rating and review on any or all of these platforms is very helpful for us. Before we get started, let's do our bi-monthly check-in on Arjuna Contreras as he makes the move from Texas to Nashville. And the road continues. The tour continues, man. We still got about 10, I think, 10 more shows to go. Okay. Um out of the 34 that this run is. Um, so we're actually, we're in San Jose, California today. And uh, have a show tonight at the place called, a place called The Ritz, which is kind of a cool, like, rock venue. And uh, we are out until the 23rd. So we still have, like, what, what's, I don't even know what day it is today. <laughs> <laughs> February thirteenth. <13th. laughs> okay, so we have like a ten or 11, yeah, we have ten days left. Okay, so we're on the we're on the home stretch. Gotcha. Now. How you feeling? And um, uh, tired, <laughs> tired. It would be uh, pretty obvious, I guess, at this point. <laughs> but, sure. Uh, but no, I feel good. Yeah, I feel good though. I've been you know working hard on stuff and and. Uh, you know, trying to uh, keep my progress going, like on my health side, um, you know, health side of things. And, you know, I haven't, I, I know I reported uh, quite a dramatic uh, weight loss the last time we talked. And a couple more pounds have come off from there, but like okay. it hasn't been as dramatic as that. It's been a little slower going. Sure. As as, as I think it, it always is, kind of like, you know, you have your, you know, it's, that's not a straight line, right. sadly. So, Man, one of the things I'm really, I got these, um, practice pads, like for, you know, t- um, for, 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 for bass drum, like for, for my pedals, you know, so I've been really working on my, um, um, double kick playing like in the afternoon a little bit at the venue. And then, um, you know, it's kind of like an extended warm up before the show. 
Um, I'm kind of one, I don't know if I mentioned that last time that I'm trying to really improve my double kick playing because I'm not really a double bass drum player. Well, that's an important, that's an important point just beyond the double kick playing itself. But I mean, how we stay in shape on our instrument when we're on tour and you're doing, uh, some tours, you're an opening act, you get 20 minutes. Um, sometimes even if you're the headliner, it's an hour to an hour and a half often, and um, I think that's my biggest frustration about touring is not being able to spend quality time working out stuff and playing. So it sounds like you're making yeah. some oh, yeah, room for, sure. for that. Yeah, yeah. The cool thing about these is that it's really just like uh, electronic. It's kind of like, you know, those old, um, those old um, you know, the older... Uh, like kick drum triggers for like older electronic drum sets. Yeah. The rolling, you know, like they, uh, the little pads. Can, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like those then you, but it's just got these like foam inserts and, uh, you know, you clip your, you know, you hook your bass drum pedals onto it. So I actually, I got two of them and, you know, I have two single pedals, Okay, you know, like, uh, it's kind of hard to visualize. It's a product that a company called pro logics percussion just came out with not too long ago. So, you know, it's something that I've been trying to trying to work on. It was like one of my goals. I don't know if I had mentioned it last time we talked, no, in addition no. to trying to just get in addition to just trying to get healthier, like that was one of the room uh, one of the you know areas of improvement that I really want to try to work on. Oh, as far as playing the double kick. Yeah, that's right. Gotcha. Playing. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Well, um and I know mentioned we we talked about this on the road just trying to 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 look at the new year and make some changes about your health and stuff like that. You mentioned mm-hmm. that you've continued that it's maybe plateaued a little bit and I'm I'm just guessing that mm-hmm. the work that you do now, the work that you can get done while you're traveling and while you're restricted is got to be it's got to be a challenge, but if you can you know, if you can work on that now, imagine the free time that you'll have to be able to, how effective it will be when you're home and you have more free time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of, that's kind of what I'm thinking too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to being home. Like we're, we're off for the entire month of March. Oh, nice. Um, any, you know, any so, specific yeah, plans, so, any specific plans for yeah, March? Well, um, yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, well, I, I say we're off for March. I actually, I think I mentioned, did I mention that I, um, based on the work I did with Junior Brown during our tour last in, in December, like, uh, that's right. Like yeah. where I filled in, like, yeah, so you're going to pick up I don't there. know if I mentioned that. Yeah. I, so he, he hired me to do a weekend run of California with him. Uh, like a four show run on the week right after we finished this tour. So, so we, we, you know, like I was saying, we finished on the 23rd and then I'm actually going to be in Dallas for like three days. Um, just kind of hanging out before flying out to meet up with junior Brown's, uh, camp out in California. And we're doing like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, out in uh, Southern California. Wow. And, um, yeah, from there, I'm actually on Monday, March fourth. I'm gonna. I'm actually flying direct from 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 California back to Nashville, and I'm playing on Loud Jams that night um, on the fourth. Oh, nice. So yeah, so that's like one thing I got going. Like in, in back in Nashville for March, um, you know, uh, there's some uh, 
there's a recording project that the, that the Rev is working on that he wants me to cut some tracks for um, back in Dallas. So I'll be doing that at some point back in March. And then we're going to be doing some um, some rehearsal at the end of March uh, for in preparation for uh, April tour. We have a, a new a new guest uh, coming out with us Sweet. on that tour. So, well, let me ask you let me ask you one question, RJ. What what day of the week is it? <laughs> um, well. I'm going to say, well, I know that yesterday was our first show of the week, which means that yesterday was Tuesday. So I'm going to go with what, well, I'm going to go with what is Wednesday. What is Wednesday? Yesterday. You are correct. <laughs> you are correct, sir. And how you got to that answer was very telling. Um, and I, I like the way you showed your work. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. The process of elimination. Well, now the date, though, like when I asked you earlier, like the date, like that, I was, I actually had no clue. Like, I normally don't know the date. It's, it's, they're just points of interest. Uh, but that sounds like you've got things coming up progressively. And, um, so that we'll, we'll check in in a couple weeks to see how that all, all is coming along. And, um, and looking forward to March in anticipation of how you'll spend that aside from the the run that you'll have with Junior Brown, and um, and just yeah. check in, see how you're how you're feeling, and um, how all that all how that all that is going. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, cool. Good to hear from you. Um, get some rest. Have a great show, and we'll, we'll we'll chat again soon. Sounds good, Matt. Thanks, brother. Okay, see you, man. Bye. All right. Bye bye. So a lot of you know that I have two teenage sons, and I feel like I'm always asking them to speak up because that's what you do when you're a parent of a mumbling teenager. Um, It's also what you do when you have hearing loss from decades of drumming, and um, I want to tell you about Vibes High Fidelity Earplugs that are supporting this episode this week. Um, Vibes were designed with musicians and music fans in mind, and uh, I know a lot of you uh, use foam plugs, but man, they just don't sound good. When you think of it, they cut out certain frequencies that are important to us interacting with other musicians. So a lot of times we just go without earplugs. Well, then you get the ringing in your ears. When you hear the ringing, that's a sign of irreversible hearing damage. And that's where Vibes High Fidelity Earplugs come to the rescue. If you want to be able to play music throughout your whole life, I I do. You've got to protect your hearing. Uh, Go to www.discovervibes.com and use the promo code WDP to get 15% off plus free shipping. Free shipping is only in the USA, sorry to say. Each pair of Vibes earplugs comes with a carrying case. Check them out, discovervibes.com. So here's my conversation with Mike McKee and Danny Young from Bald Man Percussion. To play on this. Oh gosh, that'd be the best. Uh, yeah, yeah it seems pretty cool. Yeah, Mike, give me some. Check, check. Hey, hey, oh, hey, hey. hey. I am not follically challenged. I'm wearing a skin cap right now. Just I feel sorry for Danny. If I were to take <laughs> this off, you'd see luscious locks. So, how did you guys come up with the name Bald Man Percussion? <laughs> what inspired that? <laughs> And one interesting fact about yourself. <laughs> I am bald. I, yes, and I am also bald. How was Nam? What's going on? He's got uh, great how hair, was Nam? Too. Nam was amazing. It was my first time. It was, it was overwhelming. I was there for, uh, with, with Ludwig drums, and um, a buddy of mine and a big supporter of what Danny and I are doing, uh, Chris over at Big Fat Snare Drum, 
said, hey, bring a, bring a junk hat, man, and like let's set it up at the booth. And I was just floored. I was like, thank you so much. That's amazing. So I quickly made some business cards and made a little sign, just a little kind of, kind of put some stuff together. And um, I, got to, I got to NAM and said my hellos to the Ludwig people and did that whole thing. And then set up um, the junk hat at the, at the Big Bass Snare Drum booth and hit the ground running with it. And people were, were drawn to not only their product, but our stuff and um, got to meet some amazing folks and got photos with some heavyweights. And it was, um, it was unbelievable. Sensory overload. <laughs> there was one drummer that I brought up when we started doing this that was like top of my list for who I wanted to have a junk hat, Benny Greb. And yeah. he showed up and he played it and he loved it. So yeah. I was like, yes. Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, he yeah, loved yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for those people that like, they, they kind of have an idea of what NAM is. But I mean, at the same time, when you're there representing a company, what are some of the like the responsibilities? What is like Ludwig's responsibility? What are they asking from you? I think there's different levels for different people. So I'm way low on the totem pole. <laughs> But for some of their, you know, heavyweight people, the Jim Rileys of the world, you know, uh, with Rascal Flats, they would do like the signing. So they they would set up all together in a row at a table, yeah, and do autographs and things like that, okay, and help um, kind of promote maybe new signature series lines, things like that. For me, uh, it was just kind of be be present and say hi to the reps and talk for a little bit and check out the new gear and talk about the new gear with potential clients or dealers that are coming through and just. Be present and uh, be excited about all the products. Right. Um, but I think you're also just able to kind of wander around and check out other stuff. And I don't, I don't think you're supposed to be just locked into that one mm-hmm. unless you're like, you know, on staff sure. for the company. Sure. But just as an artist, it was just you know come come around. And uh, fortunately, I gave my Ludwig rep a, a junk hat early on, okay. so he's a fan of it. So when I when I told him like, hey man, I got an opportunity to bring a junk hat. Tonight he's like, oh, go for it, man. We all love that thing. Go for it. Oh, go nice. 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 So it, it was nice. pretty smooth, you know. You split. Okay. Yeah. But now, well, how about there? Like with the junk hat? I mean, did you did you feel like you had to be there the whole time and just make sure that people I felt knew? compelled, but it was so small. So they were sharing a booth with like three other companies. Yeah. And so I was out, I was trying to be out of the way as much as possible. When I saw somebody come in and messing with it and was obviously curious, I would I would walk up and or Chris would signal me like, hey, come on over here and talk to this guy. Right. But it was his booth. He paid for it. He is his thing. Oh, but nice. I would hover away and then make my way over there. If people That's think. really, I mean, I just, I just love that story. Just like Chris is like, hey man, bring your thing. I've got the booth. Let's share the space. He's the best. He's the best. He Good. has helped us every step of the way that from the great, patent man. to business. I mean, literally every step of the way he has yeah. probably been our yeah. number one go-to and yeah he's, yeah. he's incredible well, I'm, I'm excited to get more information about kind of how this whole process has worked out for you guys and what you've taken away from it um, and describe to the listeners what this whole thing is um, of course we'll have pictures and there's tons okay. of videos and people can check that out and we'll yeah. have links too in the show notes you can go to the links to you guys' website and all that stuff awesome um, Danny 2016 January 6th was when you were here <laughs> what was when our episode posted yes and that's the last time I think I saw you um, I had the same t- amount of hair then <laughs> <laughs> I, none for I those that can't see I don't know where me. I'm at with all that stuff but, uh, <laughs> struggling fighting fighting the fight man <laughs> Um, it, looks, it looks good. Thank yeah. you, thank you. You said you were playing, last time I saw you, you were playing with Nelson, but it's been a while since you've done that. There, Man, you're juggling a ton of stuff. Tell me about like what's been happening since then. Yeah, so uh, since then I actually landed the gig with Dan Tominski for mm-hmm. his new project, Tominski. 
Okay. Um, which kind of funny when I got the audition, I actually hadn't looked him up and I didn't quite know who he was. So I finished the audition and got the gig and then started Googling it. And I, I was like, Oh, Oh yeah. <laughs> Thank God I didn't Google this because I would have, I would have been nervous as heck walking in this audition. So it, yeah, it ended up working really well. And, uh, that was, yeah, that was kind of a crazy opportunity. And then while touring with Dan, Lucy Silvis was at a show, uh, who's a UK singer for mm-hmm. those of you that don't know her. Uh, and she hunted me down and said, I have to have you, you know, nice. is there any way you could try and balance your schedule? And it ended up working. I was able to do every single one of her shows last year. So isn't that wonderful how that just falls yeah. in place? Yeah. So I've been doubling down with Dan Tominski and Lucy Silvis. Uh, and then an opportunity came up this fall to tour with Lindsay L for three, three straight months, and it ended up working with my schedule, so I did that. And then I'm still subbing with Brandy Clark and Thompson Square uh, on top of all of that, and then tons of recording sessions. And, yeah. Yeah, just kind of all over the place. Do you still have a relationship? I mean, how do you... <laughs> <laughs> she is awesome, yes, and, and very patient and completely understands it. She, she actually went to school for audio engineering, so she's kind of in the business. Gotcha. Um, and now she works for a company, Quaver Music, that does like children's music education curriculum. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. We've been doing a little bit of things like that with the podcast. There's a company, Love Learning Music, mm-hmm. that's, yep. that's in town that's doing some of that stuff. So we're yeah, starting super to cool. get involved in some of that a community building thing that is not unique to Nashville, but every community has something like that that I think is great. Um, let's not let McDonald's corner the market on indoctrinating <laughs> kids into eating their shit food. Yeah. Let's indoctrinate kids into learning music. And, yeah, uh, yeah, totally. Things. Um, and Lucy L L U C I E S I L V A S. Yeah. So she just came out with a new album. Uh, it's kind of Fleetwood Mac meets Motown. And it's basically what I've been looking to do my entire career. I mean, it is, it is 100% what I've been trying to play yeah. since I started playing drums. Um, and we're about to hit the road for 17 straight days with Anderson East and then out with Tom O'Dell for another 20-some days. So, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff coming up with her. Yeah. There's a cool video of you playing on the Colbert... I think Colbert... Yep. Uh, on Stephen Colbert. I wanted to say the Colbert Report. Um, <laughs> That's such a good show. On, on Stephen Colbert with Tominsky. Tominsky mm-hmm. And you had a really cool setup. Is that pretty normal with him? So, how the whole Dan... Thing came about when I kind of realized who he was and, and having been with Allison Krauss and Union Station for yeah. 25 years and that, you know, I mean, everything that he's done has been with some of the best musicians in existence. So when I got the job and it, most of his new album, for those of you that haven't heard it, is kind of like EDM programmed bluegrass. Oh, I, yeah. I couldn't fathom playing with a musician like Dan and having a pad and playing a lot of it on an SPD. So that was kind of how Mike and I ended up getting connected, was how can I do this live, and how can I recreate all of these sounds? So we actually invented a ton of instruments just so I could duplicate all this program drumming live. I love that. Yeah, uh, and that was kind of how the Junk Hat came to be, okay. honestly. He, Is that where you guys met, like in that, that around that period of time when you started? Well, we met beforehand. So my band, uh, Del Chere, was on the road, and um, 
the, and Danny was with an artist named the Church Sisters who was opening up for a few weeks. And literally, it was in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Literally, when we were doing sound check and they loaded in. I had never met him before or the Church Sisters before. And they loaded in and he was bringing drums. And I was like, we were made immediately saw each other like, oh, we're going to be friends. Ball drummers. <laughs> like, like, it was just a me like, yeah, all right. We, we became super close pretty quickly. And um, within that tour, he saw my prototype of the John Cat that I had made at home. And it was just ugly, but functional. And uh, it's going to be in the PAS Museum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, and he was like, piece of shit yeah, museum. Exactly. <laughs> POS Museum. Trademark. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so Danny was like, dude, I, I really like this thing. I would do, I'm, I'm a woodworker. Do you mind if I take a stab at it? And I was like, yeah, knock yourself out. And he did it and it was clean and way better um, than mine. And and it was around that time that you got the Tominsky thing. So what you saw in the Colbert show was a old prototype. Okay. Um, but it was still functional. What you didn't see on the Colbert show was the entire time I was playing it, it was malfunctioning and getting stuck. Yeah. But there's one angle where it, it worked. But what was really cool um, and forgive me if you want to tell the story, but like the, the house drummer came up to you afterwards mm-hmm. and was like, dude, what is that thing? I got to have one. But you had to go. You guys had to catch a plane really quick. So you didn't have time to, to talk to him. But then you called me and said, hey, Mike, you like this thing. I like this thing. Joe Saylor from the Colbert show likes this thing. Let's let's take a stab at it and go for it. It makes them I'm like, OK. So it's like about a year or so of us kind of R&D and coming up with new ways to fix it and make it a little better. And, you know, here we are. Has that always been a mindset, and especially, Danny, for you, like as far as just thinking outside the box, as far as not just being a drummer that plays and records, but you, there's a creative side because of your woodworking, the, some of the hosting, the DIY stuff that you were doing on mm-hmm. A&E and stuff like that. You know, it had never occurred to me for it to translate into drums it was a side project that was sort of creative, but not music, and it was kind of an outlet. And should I say, and, and just to clarify, we're talking about a furniture company. That Correct. Have young yeah. furniture. Young custom furniture, young yeah. Custom so furniture. I, I've been doing that for ages. And mm-hmm. like, what don't you do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what don't I do? Bodybuilding. Yes. That, yeah, that would not well, be yeah, good. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it just never never occurred to me to kind of combine the two. Everybody had been like, well, you build furniture. Why don't you build drums? And I was like, well, dude, oh. it's so saturated. And like, why would I do that? I, I would have to get so many tools that I don't already own. And it's a, a finesse that I don't necessarily have. I think that's where the, my question stems from. There's a curiosity because it seems like such a straight line. And that's, yeah. I think, why people oh, yeah. ask that. You know, if, if you're working with wood and, and the non-drummer or whatever, people don't understand the ins and outs and the complexities of the business and, and all the other things. You would just, just make drums. I mean, geez, it's whatever. But. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I, it, it's all because of Mike, because I never would have taken a stab at it had I not seen some of the possibilities of inventing something that's completely unique to the drum world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once I realized, oh, there are ways that you can sonically make different sounds by putting some things together mm-hmm. then i finally realized the connection between the furniture building and you know making yeah. noise with it yeah yeah i i really think that we're in this really cool renaissance of the drum set oh yeah it's again i've said this a thousand times on this podcast it's such a young instrument yes and if you see um was it, uh, fred armison's 
stand up for drummers uh, towards the end he goes through all the different drum sets through the eras and it's so he does such a great job like uh, caric- uh being a caricature of the different eras and, yeah, it, yeah. and it, but it brought to light yeah there is the style that a swing drummer plays compared to the 50s and the 60s and the bombastic 90s and all those different decades but i think we're getting to a place where it's almost like there are pads there are, is the sbd i don't even know what it's all called all those things yeah and then I sit down and I talk to somebody like Fred Armisen, or, I'm sorry, Fred Eltringham, another yeah. Fred. And Fred's talking about creating loops mm-hmm. with percussion and drum cases and different things like that. And I think as drummers and performers and creatives, that to me, I know it's not for everybody and everybody has a different way of approaching this, but that just excites me. And so when I think about this idea of creating, recreating loops, recreating sounds without just feeling like you have to go into the electronic world. Well, in sounds that can be recreated live, it's not saying it's easy, but you can do that stuff in the studio, but taking something like, you know, random crap that you're finding around your house yeah. and using that in a live setting is completely different than mm-hmm. creating loops out of it. Yeah. So it needs to be something that's functional enough to yeah. actually translate live. Mm-hmm. Aaron Sterling uses an ironing board quite a bit in the studio. He smacks it and it sounds like a crunchy, distorted 808 kind of sound, but he's not going to play that yeah. Yeah, on the never road. Bring that. <laughs> but like with, with, with our product, like, you can do that. You can you can really recreate with enough reverb. You can totally get that sound. There's a percussionist in town, Eric Darkin. Eric, I, I'm I'm so embarrassed. I don't know his name. He's going to be on this show though. He and I hear stories of him walking through Home Depot, <laughs> hitting things through the aisles and then grabbing them and coming out. We've done that and. And you, we, we, you and I should do this sometime. But Delta Ray, we've done this a few times. We go to the pick and pull uh, auto shop, or you know the the, the yeah, junkyard, yeah. and just we have hammers and, and just like go and, and tools and disassemble stuff and go <laughs> and and make instruments out of it. It's really fun. We should do that. I wanted to ask you about recording, Danny. Uh, I know you're still doing a lot of recording for uh, cruise ships and Hal Leonard and mm-hmm. some different things like that. Uh, as we're kind of getting into this new age of drum sounds and like, I mean, even with the band with Tominsky, like EDM meets bluegrass and how music and the music industry has changed. Do you feel like what you're recording in the studio for these companies is changing a little bit or maybe since the last two years, since the last time we spoke? 100%. It's, I mean, it's completely different. So, I mean, no joke. The last time I did a recording session for the Hal Leonard stuff, the junk hat was on seven of the maybe 14 tracks that we did. And it's because they're starting to realize that they need to up their game and make stuff more hip for the kids to listen to because kids are listening to different stuff. And if they're not, you know, you can't keep writing these little piano tunes, you know, about lambs and, you know, it's like the kids have lost interest. Mm -hmm. So they're having to hip up all their stuff and hire younger producers. Mm -hmm. Hal Leonard's changed out a ton of their people. And now it's people my Uh age running the music departments. Uh Um, So that's been a really interesting change. And they're coming back and saying, no, this isn't hip enough. You need to redo it. Wow. You know, to the producers that we're working with. Okay. So, yeah, it's been it's been an interesting change, but yeah, it's totally totally different now. 
Do you, is there anything special? Speci- I mean, I know you mentioned you're using the junk hat, but I mean, is there anything other than that that you're doing in the studio that you were doing on the sessions? Introducing electronic sounds. Oh yeah, tons. Um, so my kit, whenever I do those those uh, Hal Leonard recording sessions, is kind of a hybrid. So I have a whole drum set set up, but on my left hand side, I'm using the uh, oh, what's the Hansonic? Yeah. And I actually have a, a trigger kick plugged into that, so I can switch between live kick and trigger kick. And I mean, you've got hundreds of oh, right. sounds that you can do. So all the percussion, everything you could imagine sound-wise is actually on that pad. But then on my far right-hand side, I also have the SPD that we've preloaded with hundreds of samples that we sat down and made ourselves mm, wow. um, that are currently being used on every pop and you know hip-hop yeah. recording you mm-hmm. can hear. Imagine. Yeah. So I've got a crazy hybrid of electronics and you know live drums that we can choose from to actually make it what it needs to be to fit into pop culture. And where are you recording it? At home? Uh, it's actually, so it's a company, Umbrella Media, that started it, and they have their own studio called Winwood Sound. Okay. So we do everything in-house there. Nice. I bet these same conversations were happening 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, because they've always been, they've always had recordings for these educational material, right? Yeah. And genres always change, and musical right. taste changes. So, um I bet this. I bet the same thing was happening when like grunge came out, and they're like, "How do we? How do we compete? We're not going to do you know grunge music for this stuff, but how do we kind of tap into? Uh, how do we get the kids excited about this educational material when it sounds like stuff from the eighties? I don't know. I, I, I bet it's not a new conversation. No, it's, I don't think so, uh, for sure. And I have you know stacks of books when I first started, and like you look at essential drum styles mm-hmm. and. Um, a lot of these educators you're going through and like, oh, there's jazz and there's big band and there's Latin and bossa nova and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And they're just playing the shit out of it. And it sounds great. And then there's rock and roll. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going, uh, no, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put my Zeppelin record back on. That's rock and roll. You know, yeah. I want to learn jazz. And I think that there's stuff that's happening on real recordings that maybe for the 15 year old ear was too much, but the book g- gave me an outlet, but man, the rock and roll, even at 15, I'm like, this is yeah, not good. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So now imagine like, I'm hoping that people are becoming more in tune for sure with what people want to learn for sure. Tell me about Delta Ray. Like how would you describe this band to somebody that doesn't know it? Um, we have four lead singers. There's uh, and, and, and a rhythm section. There's six of us, three siblings are in the band mm-hmm. and we take a lot of cues from Fleetwood Mac, Tom Petty and the Eagles is kind of Americana rock and roll yeah. blues, but, a, but um, a lot of vocals and, uh, we all come from way different backgrounds. I'm a Tom Petty guy. Some one of our singers is really into Motown. Some of the singers are, have come from musical theater. Our bass player is a Chili Peppers fan. Mm-hmm. So we have like we're kind of a, a good melting pot of all that. And again, we look at Fleetwood Mac. They're what is Fleetwood Mac? They're all the genres. We put on rumors. Is it a rock record, a blues record, a ballad? I mean, it's, it's a whole bunch of different stuff. Yeah. So our most successful records are just kind of a a hodgepodge of different genres and emotions and songwriting perspectives um, all in all in one. If you come to a Delta Ray show, it's a very energetic. We lay everything on the floor, you know, out there for you. Mm-hmm. It's very emotional. And a lot, all those, a lot of songs have stories behind them. So it's a lot of storytelling. 
Well, that, there, there's a song that Hands Dirty. I was mm. watching the video for that. That's a powerful song, man. Thank you. I mean, that is so. It's so. It resonates really a lot. Thank you. Well, we have two strong women in the band, and yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't have any. I have three brothers, but I don't. I, I never had any sisters, but I I do now. It's pretty cool. So I'm, I mean, we're yeah, coming yeah. up on t- almost ten years being a band, which is crazy to think about. Because yeah. it's just gone by, which is really weird. But um, yeah, we, we're we're one big family at this point. Well, what's your role in the band? I mean, I, besides playing drums, um, honestly, I've been told this several times that uh, I'm kind of the, the peacekeeper. I keep things light. I break up some of the fights. I kind of uh, keep things moving. I'm kind of the try to. I'm like the glue, and I'm like the grandfather because I'm the the old man of the group. <laughs> but but um, walks around with a con- pipe and yeah, pipe. cane. <laughs> Stop with that. Stop, stop hey. Like a British old man. I like that. It's <laughs> my go-to. Okay. <laughs> Enough of that. Poppycock. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, that's kind of my role. I, I also do all the finances for the band. That's the boring stuff. But we're, I mean, we're a small business, and we all have different roles, and we, we take our business stuff very seriously yeah. in the band. Uh, you have to. We Oh, goodness, you have to, because... From my understanding, back in the 80s and 90s, if you put out a record on a major label, you're going to make a lot of money. Like, yeah, right. odds are you're going to make you're a lot of money. an insane amount of money. Oh, my right? gosh. Yeah. yeah. When we were with Warner Brothers, we just heard stories of just the, the money. It's crazy. Yeah. But that's not how it is anymore. And you have to, no. you know, tighten the belt a little bit here and there. It is interesting that I think people assume certain roles or you find your strengths. And you, if you take that position or you find somebody that can do that... That can sustain a band and allow the creatives to be creative, allow the people with maybe some financial skills to do that or play their role outside of just what instrument they play or whatever their people see you as on stage because it is a marriage of sorts. Uh, and you are in a band that's more of a band than being a drummer for an artist that so many of my interviews that I do with drummers in Nashville is that. I know, Danny, you do a lot of that. But it's to be a part of a band that is, it has a level of responsibility that goes, it, there's unique opportunities that is part of that thing. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And and part of the freedom, well, it, there's, pros and cons to all of those different scenarios mm-hmm. and one of my favorite parts about being in the band though is the the freedom and I, I, i've always made my own instruments and if i were to join a right. join a band um a kind of a, a normal rock and roll band or whatever i would be a little bit hesitant to say hey like can you bear with me here for a while as we were here? let me i gotta tinker with some stuff and like literally bring things and it eats up a lot of time but it might be for the greater good because I, all right, Mike. You know, give him some, give him some space. Go play. You know, bring some ideas and stuff. And there's no like, I'm not like on the clock for a paid rehearsal and don't waste time because I got to get to the next oh, gig. Yeah. It's not like that. Right. So I really and there's a lot of freedom with that. Um, if that makes sense. There is there there's something you wrote and I don't know how old this is, but it said being with Delta Ray has inspired me to expand my known world of drum kit and hand percussion to a new and in a, to new and innovative sounds. That's terrible writing on my end, but um, <laughs> let's just say it was a long time ago. Well, it, was, it, it says, in addition to drum kit, uh, 
in the live show and on, yeah. and on, and on the yeah. So record. every basically every tour, I have a new toy that I've made. Okay. Whether it's uh, Omglockens, which are these German tuned cowbells that I mount on a stand, I've I've created this, like this chord, and I can do these melodies for certain songs as an ostinato on and while doing other stuff on the kit, or uh, a, a wheel like a car wheel that just sounds like an anvil oh, yeah, when you yeah. smack it. There's yeah. one song we use it for one song, four <laughs> hits. And I had a dedicated channel on the, it drove our sound guy crazy, but I would smack it. It's not like an anvil. Yeah. Um, and so every tour had, and then the junk hat kind of evolved and it became more of a sure. thing. Uh, shells on symbols, just weird stuff like that. And, um, I have, some, I have job security, so it's not like I can, I can take these risks and I'm not going to get fired because I'm taking up too much time. <laughs> so I have the freedom. Well, you're creating job security, too. Because That's a good point. Because you're the one that yeah. is, is doing all that. I mean, we talked about that. And, you know, That's a good point. say, hey, can you do this? And well, it's right. yeah. interesting coming from the other side of it where my job is to recreate mm. what was already recorded on an album. Because mm. the first time I had experienced what Mike is able to do with kind of creating his own sounds was with Dan mm-hmm. because no one had played it other than what was on the album so there were really no rules so you know it was kind of you know the world was my oyster to come up with whatever I wanted the first incarnation of my Tominsky drum set was, oh, was awesome. one of the largest like things I've ever played in my life I had like three kick drums that were all on extended pedals because I wanted different bass drum sounds for all the programming did you know, have a gong drum too did you have I did those? yeah awesome. and it was it was ridiculous yeah. so I, I scaled it down substantially since then but um, what, 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 what was the reaction when you came in with that uh, I didn't tell Dan about the junk hat. I just came in and started playing it. And he, I'm not kidding, shoved me off of the drum set and continued to play it for about 20 minutes. <laughs> I didn't know that. And was so, like, intrigued by it and oh, loved it. Awesome. Yeah. So it's become a thing. But but as far as, like, being able to bring in all these elements of the drum set, besides just walking in with a four-piece kit and two crashes and a ride and, and an electronic pad to mm-hmm. simulate things... What's the reaction you're getting from band members, from artists that you work with, for both of you, where you have these organic sounds? Well, sound guys hate us. Okay. <laughs> not, not, not conventional. Like, yeah. like, like, well, think about like the volume-wise. Like, you know, your hi-hat, everything's been it kind of EQ'd properly in, in the box. And you bring in this new instrument that's not an instrument, like it's significantly louder or quieter than it, than it doesn't sit well in the mix so it is a nightmare for the sound guys it it's kind of interesting not a lot of audience members notice I, they're obviously hearing it but i don't think they're interpreting it as oh that's cool or mm. that's something new that mm. doesn't exist it's honestly like we toured with brad paisley the whole summer with dan Tominsky, and every member of his band you know his whole crew would stand side you know side stage and being like what in the world is that thing you know Mm -hmm. like all the openers same thing like Kane Brown was on that tour as well his drummer immediately bought one and now it's used on just about every song that they're doing on his arena tour but it's like every every musician that sees it understands exactly the potential of it and what you know how it could expand the the sonic you know Sonic abilities of and, the drum set. And for me, is I, I I consider myself a pretty limited drummer as far as like drum set skill and stuff. And to give myself a competitive edge in the in the musical marketplace, like I want to have sounds and ideas and things that are uh, that nobody else can do. Because I mean, there'd be people that can play better than me, but if I have if I'm bringing things to the table that nobody else can do, mm. that gives me a bit of an edge. 
Is that why you play open-handed? I was weird. dropped on my head when I was young, and that's why I play open-handed. <laughs> Um, but no, I'm, I'm just left-handed and I just sat down. I would, I would go to my dad to work. My dad's a music professor and I would go to the band room when I was younger, when I was homeschooled, I would just go be with him for hours and I would be able to go play in the band room and I'd put these drum sets together and I never knew how to play. I hadn't taken lessons at that time. So I just went with natural, which was open handed. Yeah. I just figured you were a big Dave Matthews fan. Well, you know. Damn, I guess. I'm a, I'm a medium Dave Matthews fan. Billy Cobham fan, man. You don't there know. You, go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you could be a... No. Um, what's it? Or Yellow Jackets fan, for that matter. Oh, yeah. Hey, so this makes me think of something that I've had a couple discussions with, with with people off the podcast, is this idea of what a lot of busy session players are doing and how they're getting work. And... Um, not to open up a can of worms, but it's there's. I think there's an element to make that makes you a marketable and a desired session player that I think a lot of us fail to recognize, and that is sounds and tones and having those things together um, more so than Carter Beaufort chops, mm-hmm. if you will, and. Um, I just see people say, man, I'm working on this, I can do this, I can do this on the kit, but I'm not getting any sessions. I'm not getting called to do sessions. I have this stuff. But it's like, yo, how is your snare sound? What cymbals are you using? How are you, are you overplaying the crashes? All these things that get you to where you need to be for sounds that the songwriter wants to hear, the producer wants to hear. And you're talking a little bit about that too. You're thinking outside the box as a musician percussionist to make yourself an important part of Delta Ray. Right. You know, I, we were doing a record with Rob Cavallo a couple of years ago in LA and we had a session guitar player named Tim Pierce. He's one of the top, he's like the Tom Bukovec, uh, Tom Bukovec is here. Tim Pierce is out mm-hmm. in, in LA, mm-hmm. a monster player. And we were just chatting about, that that world and stuff and he goes man to be honest i get hired for the way i hit my e chord the way i just do these diamond chords and the e chord just hit it hard that's where most of my work comes from it's just the way i do that one thing and it got me thinking like you know i bet there's some drummers out there that get hired just for their the way they hit their backbeat or they yeah. the way that they hit their hi-hat like yeah. i love you mentioned fred eldringham i love the way he plays it's nothing it's it's just out of the way but it's He's not a drummer's drummer, but I, I don't think so. But like watching him play is amazing because just the way he mm-hmm. hits no, and the what he doesn't do. Yeah. Instead of saying that Tim Pierce can play anything, but it's just that that's the E chord. That's what people love. But I think that's a, that's important too because it took me realizing that I'm never going to be Dave Weckl to actually figure out who I am as a drummer. You don't have the and, hair for it to be Dave Weckl. Well, that's true as well. <laughs> Nobody does. Having a mullet. So good. You know, if he cuts it, he did. It's all his power. <laughs> That's why I disappeared. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. No, you're fine. Um, no, it took me realizing that I'm never going to be that type of drummer to kind of own what it is that I'm good at mm. and expand on that. Mm. And as soon yep. as I did that, I started getting called for everything right. because I do have a very specific sound. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I, I grew up from a percussion and vocal background. I was a singer in a you know Christian quartet for several years with my family members played piano, and then studied classical percussion. So I'm going to approach things differently than a lot of people do. Yeah. But it was me owning that and putting that into my playing that kind mm. of 
gave me the edge of, oh, we want that guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was just kind of owning my sound and not trying to be anyone else. This episode is brought to you by DrumSellers.com, the niche marketplace where drummers, drum retailers, and drum manufacturers buy and sell their gear. List your drums for sale for free, and the only fee is 4% if it sells. Simple. Check out all the new used vintage and custom drum eye candy at DrumSellers.com. One last thing I want to cover with you, Mike, is your uh, drum team collective. Oh, yeah. Um, can you tell us about sure. that? What that is? So what that is, it's, um, it's a corporate team building program, which is I'm not in my world. I've never had a, a job before, but like like a normal type of job. But I was asked to do a Somebody asked me, like, hey, we got a, a big event at the Outer Banks of North Carolina for 20 people, and we want a drum circle, but not a drum circle. Can you come up with something interesting? So I said, yeah, give me, give me an hour. Let me think. A drum so, square. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. And then I'm doing hey, like, write this that sucks. down. Yeah. <laughs> so terrible. Um, so, uh, so I had the idea of like, okay, take several drum sets and explode it into like a semicircle and like say three kick drums, three snare drums, three cymbals, three toms or whatever and teach people how to play drum grooves one instrument at a time and then have maybe a musician or so just to play some chords and make make a quote song out of it. And so we tried it out I beta tested it on some friends and family that didn't know how to play drums at all and the the proof of concept was there. Like okay, it did work. And so uh, tried it out and they would rotate so I, they would play a little bit and then they would rotate around to the other instruments and mm-hmm. learn the different roles of the drums so I dovetail team building and like roles of the company and how the how a band is like a company with all have different roles drums have different roles within the drum kit and they make rock star I make rock stars out of people in an hour and a half right. so then uh, we kind of have been fleshing it out and make medleys of songs people like the house band will kick into different songs different grooves so like in a third rotation uh, the kick drums are going boom, 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 and then the snare drums doing the backbeat. And so, mm-hmm. so naturally, we do you know we will we will rock you, and then like I love rock and roll. Those kind of so there's beats that people know. Yes, that uh, they are going to end up playing. Maybe so, didn't know that they knew that they didn't know they knew exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah, and and so I have different facilitators that that do the program. I've done several, and I continue to do some. But I have but our goal is to really uh, make multiple locations around the country okay and have uh so our i, I live in north carolina that's where, they, where we're founded but we're gonna make a national branch and have a pool of facilitators and musicians here yeah. um we've done some gigs in dc and just if make it a make it a um you know a thing in different different that's marketplaces awesome. i've done a, a very small kind of version of that for a youth group at my church mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. wanted me to come in we don't really have a music program there but they're like will you bring some drums in and right. show the kids during their summer camp and no beta testing and I should have because I was like uh, oh whoops yeah it takes a little while to figure out so we're, we're about, an, about a year and a half or so into our um, well what's existence what's kind of funny about that is it's literally full circle from what we're doing with Hal Leonard because a lot of the stuff is play-alongs for kids and they're doing all of that with the instruments in the classroom so it's an adult it's an adult version of literally yeah. play-alongs yeah yeah. That's, wow. yeah I never thought of that interesting you're smarter than you look Thank you. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Thank you. Question mark. Hey. Okay. Chunk hat time. Yeah. Let's talk about this. Um, describe for our audio audience. What is this thing? Um, we forgot to bring one. So if you go okay, to thank the, you so much, and, uh, <laughs> and that's the rest. 
Um, it's uh, well, if you go to our website, baldmanpercussion.com, you can find all the information you need and purchase your junk hat there. But uh, it sounds like what we're it's like two primary sounds one is a hi hat function, close it, you close the, the junk hat, and it's a chain and metal dragging crunchy, distorted, complex sound. Mm -hmm. And if you have it closed and you hit it, it replicates like an 808 hand clap sound. Yeah. The two primary sounds. Yeah. That was a terrible description. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) So the junk hat is basically... (laughs) Who we have, You have have to think about it as a high hat. So there's a top and a bottom. So the top is actually made of wood. The bottom is metal, and then we've uh, interlaced it with <laughs> chains. So when you use the hi-hat function, the chains are dropping on the metal, creating this crunchy Americana sound. But if you leave it closed and think of it more as like a side snare and hit yeah, it, yeah. it makes an 808 hand clap type sound. Yeah. Um, what's been really cool about like selling this and all these different drummers around the world using it is they're coming up with uses that we had never intended for it and right. playing it in ways that we had never intended it to be played. And it's incredible. Yeah, there's somebody um, in Italy who was stacking it on a china maybe or something. He was yeah. the top part, the wood and chain part on a cymbal and mounted it that way. And it was this awesome white noise, trashy sound. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Some pretty cool stuff. There's so many side snare things happening. I think there's a lot of players that you see that a lot. And mm-hmm. I think that when I first saw that, I, that was the first thing that came to mind. Cool. But then the other question I had was, for y'all, it, what like new ways that you never expected? So that... that the stacker and... Um, I've been playing it in the studio with Del Trey on a, a snare basket, like as a snare drum, a side snare. Without any with, hi hat function, with both at all. pieces mm-hmm. connected, yeah, okay, yeah, with both pieces. Because again, it's like a, it's like an eight hundred eight hand clap sound, um, and when you play that along with a snare drum or mm. as a standalone, it really works well. And you reference that song "Hands Dirty." It's all over that track. Yeah. I'm playing it along with the backbeat with with just a slight delay, so it's like a reverse. What do you call it? The reverse like gated a, snare drum. Yeah. So it's like a, that sh- kind of sound. The 21st century. Yeah. <laughs> it's been cool pe- seeing people hit it from underneath too, because we never oh, intended yeah. people to hit the metal part as uh-huh. the attacking spot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so using that has been yeah. interesting too. And I actually ended up doing that on a couple of recordings that I just did just mm. as kind of like an overdub. Right. It's really here, cool. Here in Nashville, um, you can find them at Nelson drum company in mm-hmm. East mm-hmm. and, when I made the first delivery of the bat, the first batch there, there are a couple of different drummers there, and they were all interested. And immediately, like, oh, let's put a china on the bottom. Let's like, everybody was just went into cool like tinker mode, yeah, and we tried yeah. some cool stuff just on on the spot, and it was just yeah. cool. I think as drummers and percussionists, we're drawn to think outside the box, make our toys, play with toys, and um, and fortunately, I don't think none of us are really precious with our ideas too much. And we're able to say, like, let's just play together. Like, show, like check, check out this video of this thing that I did. Mm-hmm, you know, it's, mm-hmm. um, it's pretty cool. There is a cool video. I think, Danny, it's of you. You're, you're playing, like, on the top of the wood. Because there's, like, a, there's like a, a place, like a striking surface on the mm-hmm. edge. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we call that the impact piece. So, basically, what we discovered from our first version is if you're just hitting the wood part, it started flying apart. Because, Three hits. Yeah. Toast. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we created a basically completely hit resistant spot that actually didn't change the sound so that you can hit it and it'll last forever. Uh-huh. Um, but then what I realized is if you hit the wood with the tip of the stick, it's a completely different sound. Yeah, yeah. So you can actually essentially do ghost notes yep. on the junk hat while still kind of incorporating that electronic, you know, mm-hmm. sort of snare sound. Yeah. You're like, we need to do something on the edge here. Otherwise, you'll be marketing it for A-yacht and then <laughs> just be destroying it. <laughs> yeah. Are there, are there prototypes? I know you talk about on, on oh, the... Oh, yeah. And, and, like, what were those first prototypes like? Was there something that, like... We, had, we tried different sizes. We okay. tried different thicknesses of chain. We tried uh, a crescent moon, different shapes. Yeah, so it would sit next to a hi hat, yeah. like t- oh, yeah. tuck up closer. Because yeah. we were like, oh, and we we're like, oh, this is brilliant. This is so smart. It was terrible. It was it awful. Didn't it didn't work, work at, all. at all. And we didn't think of the fact like that sound wise or just no, no the concept because every hi hat stand has a little bit of rotation, but when you get out to the edge of a hi hat, that rotation, what you know, what's a micrometer on the inside of a circle becomes an inch on the outside. So when you hit it, it would rotate and smack into your hi hats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was awful. <laughs> so it, yeah, it, like it, it was just kind of like any any bit would hit. Yeah, on the side there. Was there a point in time when you guys were like, okay, we're ready to take this to the public? Or how much? Once time? we figured out how to actually make a circle out of wood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, but were the, you excited? We were just like, man, I just can't wait to get this out and check this out and. But then, like, uh-oh, uh oh, you know, hit, put, put the brakes on. We need to fix this. Yeah, to- I think there's a, there's a bit of that. I think we had a prototype. The one that you played on Colbert, I actually brought to a, a drum shop in North Carolina to kind of show the guys and get their feedback. And it was like, oh, this is neat. It, it looks, and I and I was like, kind of looking at it around the other gear, and in in the garage, it looked great. But then around other gear, I was like, this is kind of rough stuff. Yeah, it it required a certain amount of polish yes. and finesse without changing the sound before people were really interested in mm-hmm. it. But then on the flip side, parts like the bottom, the first way we were making them, they, like you could lose a finger from it. Like it was dangerous. So it was like we had to figure out ways to create the same sound but make it so that it wouldn't hurt anyone at the same yeah. time. Yeah, you know, the, yeah. But it was all just stuff that took us a month to figure out. But now we look back and we're like, oh, that's so silly. Like, it, it was so simple. It's just those simple fixes are what take you the longest amount of time to figure out. Yeah. We'll literally get together and just sit and think. Like, we have a problem. And then at the same time, like, oh, duh. Here is a simple, simple solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just takes time. You just got to think and think and think and think. And then you figure it out. Shameless promotion time some of the players that have you guys I, I know some of it we've mentioned here but we mentioned it when you first got here mm-hmm. some of the players that have reached out to you or that have discovered it we've been super fortunate that some of our favorite drummers in the whole world are playing the junk hat yeah so my favorite drummer is matt chamberlain he got one uh maybe four months ago or so mm-hmm. uh great session drummer victor and drizzo yeah. Eddie Bears, who's the Country yeah. Music Hall of Famer, he's got one. Um, Stephen Gould, uh, that was with Sarah Bareilles for ages, oh, and yeah. Matt Carney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he actually saw me playing it with Tominsky and was like, what is this? So, <laughs> yeah, Aaron Sterling's got one. Yep. Um, Danny Young from Tominsky's got one. Sean Pelton, mm-hmm. SNL. 
Oh, really? Just bought one. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Just randomly heard about it from somebody that was at NAM and stuff. This is great. Man. Yeah, we get these emails. It's wild. I mean, these are just these are just guys. They're just I, like. Oh, oh, oh. I always know when someone important has bought one because I'll see a purchase come through on my email, but I can't see the name. And within three seconds, I have a phone call from Mike, and I'm like, ah, dude. <laughs> and I never pick it up because I want to discover it myself. Oh, sorry. Okay. I'll start. I'll start, I'll start doing that. I'll start. <laughs> Has there been something that you guys have taken away from this whole experience as far as business, as far as working together, creating something that maybe you would have never learned before you started this whole process? Uh, For me personally, I never did anything like this because there were certain things that I wasn't good enough at myself to take the leap for example, finances or huh. knowing how to personally run a business. Mm-hmm. Mike is so good at that stuff that once I realized I could kind of focus on mm. the building and research and development, mm-hmm. and he wanted to take care of a lot of the business stuff that I wasn't good at, it took the pressure off me to be more into creating and attacking something like that. The patent process is maybe one of the most egregious things I've ever laid my eyes upon. Really? And Mike was like, oh, I just bought a book about it. I've been reading about it. I've got it all figured out. And within, no joke, like within two days, had filled out the entire thing. I started reading back on this stuff. Like It was like looking at Latin. Yeah. And he attacked it and did it no problem. So it was like finding someone that does the things that I'm not good at, but is good enough at communicating with you in a way that you can understand is maybe the most important thing I've discovered from all of this. Yeah. As far as attacking something new. Right. I feel like we're complementary partners. Yeah. Um, We're both creative. We're both drummers. We're both, uh, you know, we're good at similar things, but my, some of my strengths are, in that you know that that financial world and kind of the, the businessy stuff, and then we, and, but I cannot work a saw or drill anything. I can attest to that. He cannot work. I a saw. can't do it. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. But but Danny's an amazing woodworker, and just like if he has an idea, he just do it. You know, like it's it, we're very complimentary with that. I think it's it's been it's been really really great. And to answer your question though, I've always wanted to have a patent on a product. Ever since I was a kid, I've always wanted to own. I want to be Superman. I want to be the baseball. I want to have a patent. I want a patent. Yeah. <laughs> Nerd alert. But it's true. And and Walt, I just want a patent. Yeah. <laughs> I've always I've always um I've always wanted that. So this was like an, an awesome opportunity to, to 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 try it. You know. I think what I want to extract from that, and you guys are answering this, but but for the listener that is maybe apprehensive about trying something new, starting a project, starting a music project or a band or a a, a, a teaching roster or a podcast or whatever it is to know I think some of those things are seem overwhelming because it's like oh man uh, this something some uh, some element of whatever it is that they want to pursue seems out of reach and uh, you guys have discovered something that was very similar to 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 me in getting this started, getting the podcast started, I was able to employ my friend Mike, who took the time to read and understand programming and understand all this stuff. So it allowed me to just focus on creating something or doing this. And so I think that when you surround yourself with people in different areas, whether it's a small group or a large group, mm-hmm. you can achieve your goals, especially when you're uh, like just, when you're all, you know, looking 
to achieve the same, you know, have similar goals. We do it in stages. I mean, I okay. Yeah, we do it in stages. I, I haven't. I've had trouble trying to figure out how long it takes. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of parts and pieces to it. It's, it's actually a sig- like most things. It's more complicated than it looks. One of my favorite comments I've seen on Instagram is, "Oh, I could just go in my my back room and just put something like this together." My my response was, "Be my guest. Yeah, knock yourself <laughs> like out. Like you have no idea how much is involved in this. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a lot." <laughs> And, and and to walk into a rehearsal for for a tour or you know to work with an artist or to to, to play with a major label act and and to walk in with something that you dragged out of your bathroom I mean what's the, <laughs> right exactly yeah, they're gonna throw their trash in it exactly like, no dude that's my I'm using that <laughs> it was funny you say that because uh, one of uh, so there's a Delta Ray song called bottom of the river that i play chains on a trash can that's like that's the whole percussion bit Mm -hmm. and when we do festivals and stuff uh, we'll backline a trash can for it and then inevitably by the end of the day somebody's flipped it over and it's just filled with garbage from the festival (laughs) (laughs) every time danny you first reached out to me and you when we were early on starting the podcast uh you were one of the first people to reach out and say hey uh, I didn't know who you were, but you're like, I'm moving to Nashville, or I've just been here uh, not too long, and this is a list of things. And I started, I was starting to get emails from people and suggestions of people to interview, and and so I wasn't taking it super seriously, but then I started to kind of dig into to what people were sending me and to look more, in, and, and I saw what you were doing, and I was like, I remember reading it and going, oh, this would be great. I'd love to talk to Danny, and, and but I thought it was a bit of a bold move for me personally to see that as a way to move forward to get the word out to promote your business and what we do uh-huh. so i mean we're talking about what you guys have created with bald man percussion and each the, the individual of of who you guys are as drummers and so i'm not sure really where i'm going with this but I feel like we're living in us in an era with social media where it's so easy to post things about yourself to pictures and videos and all these things. And uh, some people are very, it's very natural for them to do that. Um, and uh, it, it seems to make a lot of sense. Other times, I mean, you have, all, I guess what I'm saying is there's, there's this broad spectrum of, when you pick up your phone or open up your laptop, you're going, oh, dear God, not this again. Or you're like, oh, this is so cool. I'm glad they shared this. Now I know more. Mm-hmm. Now I can explore this. And I've discovered this new drummer. I've discovered this new band. And you're excited about that. But you found it through this portal mm-hmm. that also gives us stuff that makes our eyes roll. Yeah. And also gives us stuff that turns out to be something that we never knew we really needed. Mm-hmm. So it just made me think about that. When you guys were getting ready to come over here... Again, I was like, that seems just pretty bold. Like, hey, I want to be on your show. I'm like, really? It's like, it's, I always thought it was my job to seek out my guests and do that. Mm. But it was great. I'm so glad that you did. And you kind of did the same thing You recently. I mean, you've kept in touch with me. But you're like, hey, we have to, oh, yeah, I know you have this thing. Great, let's do it. Well, what I love about what you're doing and what I love about the drum community is it's one of the few 
sides of the music industry that people are so willing to help and so interested, genuinely interested in what other people are doing. Mm -hmm. I can tell you, at least from what I've seen, some other instrument types are not that way. You know, it's it's more competitive. There isn't a lot of sharing of information Mm -hmm. or helping. And what I think that I love the most about what you're doing is you've opened up a conversation for people to actually learn and expand what they're doing mm-hmm. without being so selfish to be like, well, I figured it out, so I'm going to keep it to myself. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, do, I think that's so important in this day and age. Whether or not someone has the drive to take that information and run with it is their, is their thing. But I think being able to present that to someone is important. Um, and I guess that's what I appreciate about oh, cool. what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You asked uh, you know, about like people who want to do something, they're intimidated or not sure how to, how to, how to start it. You were asking a question about like how, what... And- not intimidated, like... like uh, so here's... Not to cut you off, but some, sometimes my apprehension is I'm thinking... Who would want to know that? You know, who cares what this? Or I don't want to come off as oh that guy. Yeah. Okay. okay. Does that sabotage your? Answer? Well, I I thought sorry. Yeah, I thought you were talking about like how you know getting like do, doing the thing of like I have an idea, but I'm a, I'm scared to get it off the ground. Well, yeah. And I was going to say though, like it's it's cliche, but we're in the gig economy right now, and now it's a yes. golden and and don't don't think you have to quit your day job. Like there are people doing big things in different industries that have multiple jobs it's totally normal mm-hmm. and so you don't have to like dive all in and quit everything and do this one thing it's like no you can chip away at it like this totally fine and there's there's ways to do that and with the social media it's a double-edged sword because it is a lot of content a lot of clutter out there but if you are if you're creative enough and you can find a little bit of a market or you know an audience for it you don't have to have a masterpiece you don't have to have it all together you can kind of just chip away at it yeah i think it's just been it's 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 just trying to navigate this it's not a new format anymore but this this uh accepted way of getting information and entertainment and all these things so much so i mean even the last two years since we spoke uh danny just like how do we use this to our advantage by expanding our network, expanding our world, um, creating new opportunities? Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagine that with ha- I feel very comfortable promoting things and posting things about the podcast compared to my own personal things. I don't mm, know why that totally, is. Totally, yeah. And so, but it gives me a chance to promote something that's not maybe just that's not about me it's about, right it's about my community it's about my friends i don't know if you guys feel that too i feel like you kind of had well yeah it's interesting you say that because our general ethos is uh silly marketing like our uh, we're called bald man percussion it's a goofy name and like and this is totally intentional because in the drummer world there's a lot of serious chop guys and they're amazing drummers and it's like very serious mm-hmm. and i was like well we don't need another serious drum company let's let's kind of be a little bit goofy and we are goofy guys yeah. so i don't know like i think that's one way that we're trying to to deal with all that mm-hmm. and honestly we haven't really pushed like like our Instagram, for example, and Facebook. Like we kind of created them, and we're just letting them grow. We're not 
really doing a ton of promoting of it. Like we want people to discover it, but we also want it to be natural. Mm -hmm. Like we're not gonna fork out $10,000 just to get a bunch of followers that don't give a crap about what we're doing. That's mm -hmm. not the point of it. Mm -hmm. It's something unique that we're hoping will spread. Yeah. Now, the fun part about Bald Man is yes, we, we can be silly and we can kind of do things that we wouldn't normally do on my, our personal pages. On my personal pages, nobody gives a crap. Nobody's even watching. Yeah. So it's like, it's kind of a fun outlet with, yeah. with the other bald right, man page right. because it's a business and we can do that and people think it's hilarious. Yeah, you know? I totally agree. I, I, and I think you're, you're saying something very important. It's like just letting things grow organically allows people to come to you and appreciate what you guys are doing as opposed to something that you're shoving down people's throat mm -hmm. and, and it's always striking that balance, just making it easy. Because there's times that I want to find out about something, and I can't find it. And it's like, what? What? We live in a like. How can I not Google this? Mm -hmm. Or I went to somebody's website to find out about this thing, and it's like it's it's from 1986. And you're like, right. hello. Yeah. Like <laughs> I'm interested. You're you're not letting me in mm -hmm. to that. But yeah, no, I, I I and I think that it sounds like you guys have struck a balance between be able to control production in a way that you can get it out to the people that want it without blowing it up until it's time. Well, and here, here's a really good example of that. Matt, Matt Chamberlain found this organically. We don't know how. He reached out to us. Yeah. He bought one. Yeah. Some of the first comments we saw on his page when he posted his video was like, oh, Matt Chamberlain, of course he gets it, you know. The guy that gets everything for free. Matt Chamberlain wrote back and said, boy, I sure wish that was the case. You know, if you figure out how to do that, let me know. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you know, we're not necessarily giving these for free to everybody. Like, mm -hmm. like Sean Pelton from SNL just bought one. Like, this mm -hmm. isn't us just giving handouts. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's people interested in wanting to use yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is coming up? We're just the beginning of February for the business itself. Do you guys have any short-term slash long-term goals to look at 2019? Yeah. Um, uh, we are, we, so we just did NAM and kind of the dust is settling from that. And I had some good conversations with different companies and potential distribution channels. So I'm going to be talking to, I, I really want to get some distribution done uh, around the country and hopefully into Canada and maybe overseas as well. That's kind of that's a goal for this year and streamlining our production process. Yeah. And what I'm really excited about is it's like more customized options. So Ooh. basically add-ons, yeah. add-ons, and let's say somebody potential listeners out there, you know, like if you have like I love the junk hat. If I ha if I could have it in cherry red, that'd be awesome with like gold chains on it. Like cool, hit us up. Let's talk about it. We can make that happen. We want to create an infrastructure where we can do that. Uh -huh. So that's gonna be really exciting. Is plussing up what we have. And um, just keep keep it growing. We've got a pretty high-profile drummer that wants a custom logo done on one via laser etching. So that's coming up. Maybe hopefully maybe the one of month. the highest profiles out there. Yeah, wow. but uh, you'll have to stay tuned for that one. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> and the laser etching is kind of a newish thing. Yeah, yeah. This great company, uh, Steric Design. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. actually Nashville-based. Yep, nice. and they they do our woodwork and. Uh, with their, they have a CNC machine. They use our proprietary design, and like it's a basically you put in this information and it cuts it. Uh, it's, a, it's a 
I'm not a wood guy. You talk, Mr. Woodman. <laughs> Dr. Woodman. I mean, you, you basically explained it. They set down an entire piece of plywood. They hit go on the computer, and it makes junk hat yeah. tops. But the laser is a new it's a new thing, so we were able to customize. We can put anything in there. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, down the road, I think we can have some customized signature series lines and logos and things like that. Yeah. So we, we, we got some drum tacks from Those our buddy great. JC. And yeah. And a little custom... Working drummer podcast. Oh, drum nice, tags awesome for the two hundred. I met one of the really I met one cool. of the guys at Drum Tax at um, at Summer Nam here in Nashville, and they, they, I love their product. I think it's so cool. Right, well, J- it helps JC's also the nicest person in the he entire is. world. He's super cool. Mm. <laughs> but anyways, it said working drummer on it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's great. So back to the <laughs> yeah. But so back. Yeah, I don't think you understand what I'm saying. No, well, I'm see, we're actually using those to fill the holes in the junk hat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's the working drummer signature series yes. drum dot yep. signature model. Uh, Mike, what about you personally? What's going on in 2019? Uh, so Delta Ray, we we are wrapping up our record right now. We are recording, okay. and uh, I can't wait for people to hear it. It's going to be a very eclectic mix of, of songs. It yeah. sounds so good. And we start kind of our tour kicks off with the Melissa Etheridge Cruise Sweet. at the end of March. Early April, do some stuff in Florida, including Tortuga Festival. And then Tour Tour starts in May. So we'll be doing, I think, Southeast for three-ish weeks or so. Mm-hmm. And then take a break, and then we head out west. And so it's going to be a full year of touring, and we have some very exciting things. If there's some Delta Ray fans out there listening, we just wrapped up this thing called the Delta Ray Revival, which was last fall and winter here in nashville we had a residency at the basement yeah yeah we made the we every week we would come in and make the basement a haunted chapel it was incredible we decked it out with tons of haze and these stained glass windows which were interactive tv screens that we would hang up lanterns that were hung by fishing line that we would swing just and we had actors planted in the crowd stuff like the very like immersive theater so we had the theme of dark and light dark and light and uh, we're taking, we're kind of taking that concept of the revival and applying it to um, some new music. So nice. Um, nice. So I, I, I have to admit, I was not familiar with the with the music before I started to prepare to have you over, and I really dig it, man. Thank you very I'm really much. Really excited to kind of listen to more of what you. And again, appreciate it. The song what was what was the hamster you referenced. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really cool. Thank you very that was much. Really cool. Yeah, awesome, Danny. What about you, man? I know you talked about it a little bit earlier, but... Yeah, so next stuff coming up is the the tour with Lucy Silvis. We're going to be opening for Anderson East for his entire run. Uh, And then I head to Australia with Brandy Clark. Wow. A couple other things randomly in March, but then we head out again with Lucy, opening for Tom O'Dell, who's a pretty big UK artist. Um, But that's both of their bands, Anderson East and Tom O'Dell's bands, are just ridiculous. So I'm just excited to kind of go back and go into school mode, you know, and like mm-hmm. learn some stuff from these bands. Um, and then uh, I have no idea for the rest of the year. <laughs> Lucy's up for a couple really cool tours. Um, so we're crossing our fingers that that happens. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I'll, I know we've got a couple Dan Tominski shows. Oh, okay. we get to play a bucket list venue. We're playing the Bluegrass Underground. Bluegrass it's uh, just south of Tennessee. It's the giant cavern. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's maybe what I'm most excited for for this year so far. So not this week's episode, but before was Dylan Napier, who plays mm, with yeah. Margot Price. Uh, yeah. I know they've done some of that stuff. And 
Um, it's been really cool to see again this kind of revival of acoustic music mm -hmm. that a lot of different people are really getting into and checking out, and that's exciting. And it's really it, it just excites me to think about again wrapping all this up into and that neat little bow is the acoustic options that we have as percussionists to recreate these sounds and not let the electronic world kind of completely infiltrate the ethosphere. Uh, One of my favorite quotes is, um, the enemy of art is the absence of limitations. And with electronic pads, you have no limitations. You can do anything. And that's kind of the enemy of art because you you have to with with using real organic instruments. There's a fight; you got to struggle. But then, it, it's it's just better when you finally get that sound. It's richer and more personal, and you've earned it. Versus, oh, it's just in the cans. Make this amazing, perfect, compressed bass drop or 808 sound or, or whatever it is. Yeah. Like it's too easy. I believe so in. I like the struggle. <laughs> I had a really mini rehearsal at this publishing house a couple of days ago and I ran in and everybody had gotten there early and they were already running through the songs and I was going to, you know, I had a little snare drum and a, and a stand and a pedal and I was like, oh shit. So I grabbed my brushes, I took an office chair, turned it yep. around and started playing it and we, you know, we had three songs to just run down mm -hmm. real quick before we went to this whiskey <laughs> jam thing mm -hmm. and the producer's like, you're playing the shit out of that chair yeah exactly I'm, like, I'm gonna take this chair to the gig <laughs> yeah yeah exactly that's exactly right i love it well guys thank you for being here thanks for sharing your insight i'm excited about checking out the junk hat i'm excited about what you guys have done with this thank and you. it's 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 just this groundswell of, of, of interest and it just seems like it's coming from a, like a really honest place where people are just like, what is this? It's just, so you, you guys are setting up like this business and passion combined from a really honest place that I, setting a good example for, I think, people that are wanting to do something like what you're doing more so. And thanks, I, I appreciate yeah. it. That's, that means a lot. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. But thanks, Danny. Thank you for having me. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thanks. So great. Oh, um, awesome. so now I'll record. <laughs> that was kind of a little preview. <laughs> that was a warm up. <laughs> Please leave that in. <laughs> Hooray. Uh, thanks, Mike and Danny. Uh, again, I don't know how much we got into it, but I, I was picking Danny's brain on just putting your best foot forward and reaching out to uh, different uh, formats and, 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 and ways to promote what you're doing, what what as a drummer, as an entrepreneur, and, and kind of feeling like you have something to say and something to present and not feeling overloaded with uh, all the things that are uh, online that we see every day. Um, I know I, I just I keep mumbling about this, but um, Danny reached out to me initially two years ago to be on the podcast, and I just I, he had a lot of important things to say, and it was really cool to see someone take that approach, and he did that again. Um, obviously, there's been a relationship that's been established with that. So that that's, was great. The initial uh, meeting was, was done. But at the same time, I'm glad that he did so we could talk about this new cool thing, the junk hat. And um, so check it out. There's lots of videos. 
you see uh, lots of really great players using it and uh, finding creative ways to use it. So best of luck to uh, Danny and Mike as they continue on with this bald man percussion. And uh, check out the junk hat. Stay tuned next week for Zach Albetta's interview. So once again, I appreciate everyone's feedback, everyone's listening. Uh, Please check out Vibes, uh, high-fidelity earplugs, discovervibes.com. Protect your hearing, y'all. We want you to continue to listen to this podcast, and you need your hearing to do that. So anyways, hope to see you around. Bye-bye.